0: Welcome to Casa de Cambio. On today's episode of Casa de Cambio, I have a very special guest, Jed Carney. Welcome, Jed. Thank you, Natasha. So you are the federal member for Cooper, Mm -hmm. formerly known as Batman. Yes.
1: Very proud of that name change.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, I wondered if the name change was because Batman, I mean, he kind of got cancelled, didn't he, for being, like he was killing Aboriginals in Tasmania. Is that what he was doing?
1: Well, he wasn't a very nice human being yeah. um, by all accounts. And uh, yes, his treatment of Aboriginals was less than desirable. It was awful. And mm-hmm. even by uh, contemporary, his own contemporary standards. Back in the day. Back in the they day. They were shocked. People oh were not very happy um, with his actions, including his sort of fierce rival, I guess, if you like, in John Faulkner. Mm. Um, who wrote not very pleasant things about him as a human being and particularly his treatment of Aborigines. So I came late to the campaign to have the the name changed, I have to say. There were a lot of people, the local council and a lot of individuals and a lot of Aboriginal groups who were fighting to have the name changed. And uh, when I became the member for Batman, Mm. I joined in with great force and we were very, very pleased to now be named after a wonderful Yorta Yorta man who um, – William Cooper, Mm -hmm. who uh, was the most amazing person, Um, you know, in the middle of the – from the turn of the last century to the middle of the last century, he fought very hard for Aboriginal rights. He wrote to the king asking for self-determination for Aboriginal people in Australia or for representation in parliament. Um, He also, during the war, started a – uh, wrote a petition. I think he got about 1,800 signatures on a petition protesting the treatment of Jews in Nazi Germany, <gasps> particularly after wow. Kristallnacht. And he had a march in Melbourne and marched to the German consulate and delivered his petition. So he's Definitely dearly loved. much
0: more deserving. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. He is a much admired man for good reasons, so we're very, very happy.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome mm. and it is probably as the representative for this electorate, it's probably so much nicer to have it named after such a, I guess, yeah, a more worthy person than Batman Mm. who, you know, I didn't really – so I'm originally from South Australia so I didn't really know who uh, – and initially I went, oh, Batman, (laughs) haha Everybody (laughs) did I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't really know much about who John John Batman Batman was. And Mm. then when you started to learn these things, I was like, why is everything named after this dude? Mm. Um, So it's really good that we're starting to maybe – you know, yeah. uh, take down some of the statues of some of these people who their personalities and their history is a little bit questionable. Yeah, I you agree. Know, that's a very diplomatic way of saying it, questionable. Yes, it is. Well done. Um, so, you used to be a nurse.
1: I was a nurse for many years uh, and uh, I loved being a nurse. So I loved it.
0: were you a particular uh, specialty of nurse or?
1: Uh, kind of. So, I really found my niche looking after people who'd had gastric surgery Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to say these words and maybe shock some of your listeners but everything from the throat to the anus (laughs) um, and everything in between um, if it was operated on I was there in the ward afterwards to look after you pretty much and um, I loved it because a lot of that type of surgery you really helped people get better and Mm. they'd be opened up patched up we'd look after them and send them home and I got a great deal of um, satisfaction from seeing people get better
0: yeah, right. My mum's a nurse as well. Yes, she? She is. She's a breast care nurse practitioner.
1: Oh, how wonderful. Because mm. that, that sort of role was really developing when I was a nurse. Um, nurses yes. sort of being individual specialists in their own right mm. and not just um, being tacked on to medical specialties. So. Uh, when I became secretary of the Australian Nursing Federation, we started to fight very heavily for nurse practitioners mm. so that they could get prescribing rights. We Yeah,
0: so mum has that. I think she was one of the first nurses in Australia to have prescribing rights, I think. Oh. Um, mum will probably ring me and say, correct me, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. That's she, great. Yeah, she got into it quite early when it was new and so she's been doing breast care... What are we, 2020? I would say 30 years, maybe 25 years. She started in the wow. 90s doing the breast care, like the specialist stuff. Yep,
1: yep. Mm. Good for her. I'd like to meet her one day. I think she would we very much like to
0: meet I you. I think we'd <laughs> have a lot to talk about.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a very interesting journey and of course we had the wonderful Nicola Roxon as the Minister for Health and mm. he was very supportive, was mm. prepared to take on the AMA and the The Pharmacy Guild and, you know, people who really did not want to see these changes. I know we're talking about change. Yes. And that was um, a really big journey and it was hard, hard fought for. And it's still, in some ways, I don't think we're quite finished. It's still very difficult. The hurdles and hoops you have to jump through and Mm. over to become a nurse practitioner is still very high. Yeah, she had to do quite a lot. She
0: self-funded her master's, which I thought was maybe a little bit odd, mm. um, given that if you're working in corporate, um, a lot of employers will pay for you to do education um, mm. if it's going to make you, you know, mm. all of that IP and learning is going to bring value to your employer. So i not sure I quite agreed, but, yeah. I mean, she did that um, because I think, well, if you're a nurse in a hospital, um, you know, it's not like if you're working for the South Australian Health Service or whatever, you know, state government health service, that's only going to
1: bring a benefit to your nurses by giving them more education. But mm. that's just my opinion. <laughs> 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 and my experience of being a nurse is that nurses are change agents. So you yes. spend a lot of your time encouraging um, individuals and whole communities to change uh, for the better. Um, you help people change their lifestyles. You help people get over all sorts of terrible situations. Mm. And, uh I think that puts you in really good stead for being a politician. I'm so glad I came here from being (laughs) a nurse. I can't tell you lots of for lots of reasons. Uh, <laughs> so I
0: probably should tell you that my mum, uh, for the last six or seven years, has been the mayor of my hometown in South Australia. So Whoa. she still works two days a week at the hospital, yeah. And she spends well, she works the other seven days a week. I love <laughs> it uh, being the mayor. So oh, I love that. She so did much. transition into yeah. um, something else, um, and yeah. So it's funny that you say that because she does often say that her training as a nurse prepared her for
1: certain situations. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. And I often talk to groups of nurses and nurses always say, oh, you know, we can't get into politics, we can't be political. And I always say, I'm very sorry just being a nurse is political because all of a sudden, you know, you have a vested interest in the health system. Mm. You have a vested interest in advocacy. You Mm. have a vested interest in our laws around people's privacy. And, you know, you immediately put yourself in a situation where you really should be and take notice of being political. Mm. And um, they always say... You're right, absolutely, and I think nurses are loved. Nurses are trusted. Nurses are good listeners. They're good yes. communicators. Yes. They're good problem solvers. Yes, they can take workloads up to their eyeballs with you know, mm. and not be uh, really phased by it. And I think they are amazing people and... Um, I agree. Yeah, and they should <laughs> exactly be political. Well,
0: it's like when we had that state election, I think was it the 2012 one that, where Dan Andrews came into power, um, A lot of one of the key election issues was a higher pay for nurses, firefighters and ambulance officers. And I thought, who in their right mind doesn't agree that these people should get paid more money? Like, you know, surely. And, and you know, it was a landslide. Mm. Um but, yeah, yeah, I just thought, That's God, well, you know, come on, guys. Come on, Liberals. <laughs> sure. there isn't, everybody just everybody, values yes. these people so highly that I
1: just couldn't believe that there was a view that, you know, we need to be cutting this and, you know. Yeah. I remember uh, when I was at the Nurses' Union and uh, we had industrial action happening. Actually, maybe it was after I was at the... At i have left the union actually by this stage and was at the ACTU. But anyway, there was a campaign on to get the ratios, you know, the nurse-patient ratios, mm. uh, where nurses had um, you know, a, a limited number of patients they had to look after. It was a workload issue. And that they ran this big campaign and we had the last stop work meeting and the nurses voted to accept this offer. And I was having a quiet walk home with the State Secretary, Lisa Fitzpatrick, and we were walking past a pub. And these guys leaned out the door of the pub mm. and yelled across the road as if... Lisa was their best friend. Hey, Lisa.
0: Yeah. Did you get your ratios? Oh, nice. And Lisa's thumbs up. I thought this we story was going to go a different way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Lisa gives thumbs up and they go, yay, and I hear him going to the bar. She got her ratios, you know. So, everybody knew what the nurses needed and mm. everybody was behind them. Everybody cared about it. And so, it was, yeah, it was a really lovely moment. Oh, good. And so, what... Uh, I guess, inspired you to transition from nursing into uh, a career working for the unions? Uh, Well, I was always, not always, but I was a, um, what we call a job rep, or I was a a union representative on the ward in the hospital, uh, way, way back, I think it was in 1996, when we had to start negotiating our own EBAs, Enterprise Bargain Agreements, yep. before that you know, wages were set centrally and you had mm. the awards and mm. um, they introduced bargaining and um, uh, we, for some reason, bargained away a really important part of our hours, nursing hours mm. of care. I won't go into detail. Any nurses out there listening, we lost our ADOs. You will know what that means. <laughs> And it made uh, shifts impossible. You had to do six-hour shifts and some eight-hour shifts, and sometimes the wards were left short because of this Mm. stupid. Anyway, I called a union meeting to talk about it. Yeah. Naively, and uh, I remember, um, oh, I got a lot of nurses there because we all were up in arms about it. And the union kind of contacted me afterwards and said, you know, if you're going to have a union meeting, it might be a good idea to ring the union and let the union know (laughs) that you're going to have a union meeting. And also, um you know this is in this is signed. you've agreed to these changes, you can't just undo them. And therein started my union right career. Yeah, I got very involved and we had all sorts of activities, and I got on to branch council and uh, became president of the Victorian branch, and before I knew it, um, I was elected uh, national secretary of the Nurses Union. That sort of mm-hmm. progression was quite quick. Um, we did get our ADOs back, by the way. Good. We did a little side Good. letter with the <laughs> CEO. Um, so uh, that was kind of, you know. And then I got very involved in the union movement from the nurses union, which of course is the largest union in the country.
0: Yeah, I was about to say that it would be quite large. And how do you yes. happen to know how many nurses are in the nurses union?
1: Uh, federally, nationally, there's about two hundred and eighty thousand. Nurses are members of the union. And is every nurse in the union or Uh, is it voluntary? I don't think that's every... Oh, no, of course it's voluntary. Mm. I don't think that's every nurse, but I know it's... uh, it's Look, I'd be having a guess. You probably should double-check this, fact-check this, but I'd (laughs) say probably around 70%, 60%, 70% of nurses would be in the union, um, which is a fantastic figure. And it's at the ANF where I really became political rather than... You know, I got into politics, and mm. I started to understand more about politics, mm-hmm. uh, because at that national level, uh, you really dive into federal issues like Medicare, yep. like you know, saving Medicare from privatization. Mm. Uh, you really start to negotiate with other peak bodies around things like nurse practitioners and changing the law when it comes to prescribing rights. You you start to worry about funding systems, like how do we fund aged care and wha- how mm-hmm. do we... You know, when I look back now at the things we were fighting when I was at the Australian Nursing Federation, mm. it's easy to see how we've come to the, the Royal Commission. Mm-hmm. And so I really started to learn about the wheels and the infrastructure of politics and uh, I certainly dived in very deep. Mm. Yeah, and... Th- so, how many years has it been since you were working for the nursing unions? So, I left uh, the ward, I, I left nursing on the floor, mm-hmm. I guess you would say in 2003 when I started to work full-time for the ANF, it was then, it's now the ANMF, because yep. our midwives have come into the title, mm-hmm. and um, I was assistant secretary then, and I was only assistant national secretary for a couple of years, and when I was... Elected federal secretary. And then in 2010, I became, I was amazed by some senior union figures tapping me on the shoulder and asking me, what I like to run for fed for um, ACTU president? Wow. That was pretty scary. And but you pretty did it anyway? I did it anyway. Good on you. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, but I had a lot of support. Um, and I was successful. There was quite a fiercely fought campaign. That and I won that, and then that was 20, 2010 and then two thousand and eighteen. I was asked to run for the seat of Batman, so mm-hmm. it's quite a long time since I was on the floor nursing. Yeah, that yep. uh, sometimes I miss it. I yeah. like it. Sometimes I, I just can imagine
0: you might have some days and think, "Oh, I think I'd rather be in the hospital, <laughs> just t- talking to patients." Yeah,
1: getting people better, and <laughs> then
0: going on <laughs> Q and A. Yes. <laughs> was sitting doing podcasts, sitting, oh, <laughs> what am I going to say? Um, and so, I mean, I know that the trade union movement is a big part of the Labor Party um, support base um, and membership base. So how did you transition from being in the union movement to being, um, I guess, a senior member of
1: the Labor Party and running for uh, a by-election? Well, it seemed pretty natural. Mm -hmm. ...in a way, at the time. I mean, you think, um, you know, Bob Hawke was ACTU president. um, He certainly was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bill Shorten was a senior figure in the trade union movement. Um, Lots and lots of our leaders have come out of the trade union movement. So, it didn't seem such an unusual uh, step for me. Uh, It was... um, Also, I kind of felt, you know, I'd been ACTU president for nearly nine years... Sally McManus had stepped into the role of secretary, and she's mm. absolutely wonderful. And I just thought, you know, it's it's probably a good time for a change uh, across the, the leadership board. And when the opportunity came for me to stand for politics or run for politics, I thought, well, in many ways, it's a natural progression. Um, yep. I, you know, I've gone from lobbying, in a way, mm-hmm. or or trying to influence from the outside, the Labor yep. Party parliamentary uh, parliamentarians to actually stepping into that role i think that was the biggest the biggest change mm. but being having an agitator for change
0: or as opposed to being a decision maker or yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and that was at first you know it was quite nuanced but it's, it, as you get more and more involved in the parliamentary process of politics and you realize there there is quite there's a bit of a gap i mean i will never ever forget I come from and the trade union Mm. movement has deeply, deeply influenced my politics, my personal politics and I really do feel in many ways um, very privileged to be somewhat of a voice Mm. for Mm. um, the union inside the Parliamentary Labor Party, uh, for the union movement and uh, I feel a responsibility to make sure that I carry on that politics in the party and be that voice and... uh, Yeah, it it is quite a responsibility and sometimes not a very popular position to bring um, inside the party. And so, you know, it's uh, I still work very closely with people in the union movement, of course, but it's a different relationship now.
0: Yeah, so your comment that you just made about not a popular position, um, I want to talk about that because Mm. in your maiden speech to parliament, Mm -hmm. you talked quite a lot about... um, what was the phrasing that you used? Uh, it wasn't. It was offshore detention or inf- infinite? indefinite. Indefinite. That's the word. Indefinite offshore detention. And you talked quite compassionately about asylum seekers and refugees and a more humane policy. Um, and at that time, that to, you know from my perception of that speech was that it didn't really reflect some of the views that were being put out there by the Labor Party at the time. And given your background as a nurse, (laughs) I could probably draw that link between your nursing background and wanting these people to receive care Mm. um, who obviously, like if we talk about Medivac, for example, there Mm. are people who are obviously quite unwell, who need medical treatment Mm. and you've spoken about that as well. So how is it being a newly elected or newly minted member of parliament and making comments that maybe some other people in your party don't agree with?
1: Yeah, it certainly did hit the headlines when I... um, (laughs) When I made those comments, uh, at my involvement, uh, well, with broadly with human rights issues, um, is his goes back a long way. You know, from my involvement with the ILO, the United Nations, with um, fellow trade unionists and NGOs in, this, in the Asia Pacific region, uh, with AFIDA, Union Aid Abroad, who is our the trade union movement's own um, aid agency, aid arm. Very heavily involved with that organisation. Wonderful. Uh, So, you know, I've always had a deep interest in advancing human rights where we can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just social justice was embedded in me, the fight for social justice from when I was a tiny, weeny little girl, really, and my background and my family. So, um, at the Trade Union Movement, uh, we worked very heavily with organisations that were uh, trying to get a better policy outcome for asylum seekers, which we know has just just plummeted in this country. So mm. I was determined. And also, can I say, is that the people who elected me trusted that I would yes. do that.
0: And given the electorate um, that we're in, it's an inner city Melbourne electorate, and we know that inner-city Melbourne does have fairly strong views on social justice issues such as a fair go for asylum seekers. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I don't think it's a long bow to draw to say that you would be reflecting the views of your electorate. Correct. I'm an ex-Northsider and many of oh. my friends and colleagues live on, you know, in this area. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like this is something that we all talk about but I'm very aware that it's not the view of other parts of Australia ne- necessarily.
1: It is not and, and uh, that was... A difficult position for, in some ways, for the Labor Party. So um, ha- feeling as deeply as I did about it, mm. knowing that I had fought so long for rights for asylum seekers, and knowing that my entire electorate mm. uh, had entrusted me to be that voice inside the Labor Party, mm. uh, a I kind of felt I had to. Yeah, I, I felt a real conviction to yeah. do it. And B, I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to make a statement. And were there consequences for making that statement? Do you know most of the consequences were very positive. Good. There was That's almost great. a sigh of relief. I think, uh, you know, the Labor Party had gone very quiet. It had become a very difficult and polarizing view. Um, it in Australia, not not just in the Labor Party, but in mm. Australia. and Almost like people
0: just didn't want to touch asylum seekers because it was too controversial or too difficult. Exactly. That's the view I was
1: getting exactly. as a member of the public. And that it would just be divisive. and stick your head out. That's right. Mm. And then here I come along and just, blah, you know, <laughs> guess what? I'm going to talk about and it. And then he talked about it again on Q&A. And, and then again <laughs> and again and yeah. again. And a lot of people came to me in the party and said, okay, it's time to talk about it again. Yes. It's time. At
0: that time when you made that speech, I was um, uh, working on a project in my own electorate of McNamara and it was a project where we had a group of people who all lived in the electorate um, and we were were all asylum seeker advocates um, for, you know, more rights and yeah, better, better outcomes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I was volunteering at the Asylum Seeker Resource oh, Centre. as a, So I was a business mentor, so a professional mentor for uh, asylum seekers who were professionals in their home countries. And now they're trying to break into industry in Australia. And then I worked on that program as a volunteer, like recruiting mentors and doing all sorts of things for a few years. And then I stepped away from that in the lead up to last year's federal election what was that? That was 2018 that I was working on this project. And we were going into people's homes and we were having, you know, a facilitated conversation with members of our electorate about um, a fair ago for people seeking asylum. And we would actually collect data from those people via means of a survey. And that survey went into a national database. There were lots of people who were doing it um, across Australia. Mm-hmm. And then that data was used to lobby people. Yep. Um, And I remember being a part of that team and working on that project and we were looking at, okay, well, you know, how open will the Labor Party be to lobbying and, you know, what's their policy? And then you made that speech and everyone was like, oh, my God, this person called Jed Carney's just won the Batman by-election. She's talking about all this stuff. We were like, this is great. And then we had uh, the Labor Policy Conference, I think, at the end of 2018.
1: Okay, so you're making a face. What does that mean? <laughs> well, for me, that was that was crucial. That was my mm. end point, and you know, don't think it wasn't just me. Too, I really yeah. want to say that it wasn't just Jed Carney. Like, I don't want of course. people to think that. So, um, but for me, but like you said before, you speaking up
0: did. Make other people kind of start to speak up it as well. It
1: did. It kind of made people go, "Oh, thank goodness, we really want to talk, about, talk this. about this and put it back on the table. We really want it back on the table." Mm. And out of the woodwork came support from everywhere, yep. from um, you know, from the sector, from the mm. Seeker Resource Centre, from um, the Bridgetine nuns, from from within my own party. There were people that really wanted to help me and support me, and uh, um, we worked together. And, you know, the leadership of the Labor Party at the time, um, it was Bill Shorten was the leader of the party and mm. he was very open to saying, right, well, okay, you know, this is 2018, yep. let's talk about this, it's not 2016 yep. anymore, yep. things are different, let's have another look at, let's have another talk about this. And I talked solidly for a year, both, you know, within the party with my own colleagues who were prepared, you know, who were really helping um, with policy, with talking to other Labor Party members, talking to crossbenchers, you know, mm. doing all of that work, talking to the sector, people who work in, in, in with asylum seekers. And
0: what was the purpose of having all of those conversations? Was it to gauge their opinion or level of
1: support or try and um, influence them? Uh, all of the above, right? <laughs> and o- also to to really for me to consolidate where I was going, where we could stop, where we could go with the policy, like yeah, how far we could move things, mm-hmm. and to get a sense of the politics of out there, yeah, as well out there being um, outside of outside of, of Cooper, yeah, <laughs> and uh, outside of Canberra, yeah, and you know it's it's. Really, the only thing that I have h- ever had anyone really abuse me about. Wow. Like, yes, like serious abuse. And
0: did, was that coming from
1: mm-hmm. colleagues in the Labor Party or the media or just just random, every, just random from social media? Mm. Mm. And um, it was really hard because I was kind of getting from the left and the right at the time, you know, because for some people, you know, what I was trying to – the position I was trying to take wasn't good enough. For other people, it, uh, wasn't it was strong enough. They, it wasn't. They didn't want anything, you know. Um, and other people would want
0: more, s- more strict and inhumane policies. Yes, I guess, like there would be people out there who would want even more harshness. Correct. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, it, it, you know, you, you sort of was, were trying to find this way through, and. Um, What I did for real – the best thing I did was within my own electorate, I set up Mm. a a reference group of asylum seeker activists, um, asylum seekers. Yep. um, Lots of wonderful people who we would meet regularly and often and I would be as honest as I possibly could about what was Mm. happening politically and in the party. And they would feed back to me what they thought. and. They helped me, they would say, they raised things with me that they didn't think were being addressed in my feedback, you know, like here's the policy now, this is what we've changed, Mm. oh, you know, we need to say something about housing or what about access to English courses, you know, things that, you know, I had, perhaps I was focusing a lot on the offshore issue and Mm. um, not so much about people. Yeah, there are so many aspects. In, yes, actually in Australia. So it was really wonderful having them as a sounding board and a support for me in my own electorate. So that's how lucky I was. And then um, I have to say, you know, once we started the the policy process within the Labor Party, it almost becomes a wordsmithing exercise. Yes. uh, Because it's going down on paper. Yes. And once the policy goes down on paper everyone's going to be looking That's at it, it. and yeah and everybody's going to see it so you do have to go through that process of well is this set of words does this set of words reflect what we want to say mm. you know does it go too far can we sort of live with this can we live with that you know how about we push this and you push 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 a little bit here you get support you talk to people and ultimately can i say in the end uh, I know a lot of people think we could have gone further but it's um, a very good policy and um, there were lots of protections put in uh, around those things that people felt could have could have been a bit better. Yeah, I mean, I felt very heartened to see the change in policy.
0: I am one of the people who would like to see it go much further. Yes. Um, but y- <laughs> I guess I understand as well all the different, um, levers that are pulling at different political parties and also unfortunately and and this makes me very sad um the view of a lot of Australians it differs from my own views mm. so you know I need to be realistic about that as well and that doesn't mean that I can't stop being an advocate and fighting for that um in absolutely. my own time so. <laughs>
1: absolutely and you know the strongest message that I can give is you know. It was, you know, people were saying to me, okay, we're willing to look at this now because it's not 2016 Mm. and who knows in two years' time, okay, it's not 2018. Yeah. You know, so um, what is it now? 2020. 2020. 2020. (laughs) You know, do you know what I mean? so sometimes that was a big change but sometimes a lot of change is incremental and sometimes it happens without us even noticing. Mm. And, Mm. um, yeah, so, you know, change is... So different depending on what it is and, and and what is happening at the time.
0: Yeah, and even I know um, there, there have been elections where asylum seekers have been a strong or hotly contested election issue and there have been elections where other things are really strongly contended and I feel like the last election... Climate change. People were trying to put climate change on the agenda, and it wasn't quite there. And now, obviously, with the fires and all the devastation that we've had, climate change is just such a big political issue at the moment. And you couldn't predict that all of this these things were going to happen. That was going to, you know, push climate change right to the front of everybody's mind in mm-hmm. the worst possible way. <laughs> um, so it is hard to predict. Um, and can I
1: can I oh just yeah. say that? Um, uh, so much part of political change comes from social agitation, and yes, and it's incredibly important. Yes, and when more people are agitating than not, yes, it makes change a lot easier.
0: And I actually learnt through the project that I did, um, you know, with the community-based group in McNamara how much actually calling up your local member and, you know, either thanking them for doing something like sticking their neck out or letting them know that you're, you know, very concerned about an issue how much of a difference that makes. Absolutely. Because I never really considered that before.
1: (laughs) Nobody ever tells you you're doing a good job, (laughs) but they're very quick to tell you that you're not. I have. I'm trying to think. That's a lovely thing to do. You've got the lovely Josh Burns, of course, now in Mashnamara. Josh Burns is one of my great colleagues, and um, we are allies on just about every progressive issue Mm. um, I can think of, and definitely on asylum seekers and climate. He seemed a lot more um, his...
0: Pro that stance than Danby did, um. So we talked about receiving a backlash, and um, you did say you did get abused when you were making agitating for change on asylum seeker policy. Um, do you now that you're a public figure uh, get trolled
1: or online bullying or anything oh, like that? Yes. <laughs> How do you manage that? Um, well, sometimes, particularly on Twitter, I just don't read the comments. Mm. i just, I just stop doing that. Um, you know, Twitter—if it were a place—you just would never go there because I'm
0: not on Twitter, and that's part yeah. of the reason. It doesn't seem like a great place for women.
1: No, it's it is awful. Um, I find other social media, um, medium, media's whatever we say that? platforms—that's the word, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, platforms. Um, are a little less antagonistic. Mm. but you know look I think well people are entitled to their views Um, I would never bully anyone or really say anything horrible I don't think or maybe some people who have been at the other end of my critical views might (laughs) not uh, think that but um, it is it is hard I, I once asked Julia Gillard this question we were interviewing mm. each and other. She was bullied mercilessly when Shocking. she was the Prime Minister and Shocking. even still now. And, um, and she gave me some very good advice and she said that she was very good at compartmentalising mm. issues and uh, parts of her job and her role. And she said, well, part of her role was to draw attention, uh, good or bad. Mm. And you just had to compartmentalise that and say – It's not really about me, Mm. personally. They're reacting to... That's about the political issue, that's Mm. the Prime Minister and that's, you know... And
0: I think there's a certain amount of people who, no matter who is the Prime Minister or your local member, they're just going to hate you. (laughs) They're just going (laughs) to hate that person. You know, like, there are people who just complain about the ABC. You know, any ABC News article, they're like... And I just think it doesn't matter who's in charge of the ABC. You're just Mm. hating on it. And I think it's like that with, you know, councils... Any type of public office, there are a certain percentage of people who just you know I hate all politicians or whatever, and you've just yeah. got to
1: kind of go, okay, what I find harder see this the social media I can cope with because yep. you just think, yeah, I find it harder when somebody and it has happened to me on a number of occasions just walk up to you in the street and just start abusing you
0: oh my God, that does that, that make you feel unsafe when yeah, that happens
1: that's awful, and that' that's really happen when scary? you're walking by yourself sometimes. Uh, it's a, in both. So uh, a number of times when I've been by myself, once happened to me. I was just actually walking across to the Labor Party conference, I think, in Darling Harbour in Sydney, and a man just walked up to me and started to <gasps> abuse me about asylum seekers. Oh my god! Um, and might you push him into asylum the seekers? No, I just you <laughs> t- no, can't do that. I think I. I may not have said something terribly nice. I may have said something not very nice, I mean. Um, yeah,
0: but I mean, if you, somebody comes up and just starts yeah. screaming at you and you're by yourself and it's a man, you're going to feel really threatened and really unsafe. So, you may, you're you not going to react in yeah. the best
1: way. I know. But I try, to, I try to be a little more analytical about it and say, well, clearly that person is very angry about something. Um, but it's very hard when they're yelling at you. Yeah. Um, and it's happened in crowds. Yeah, I think it's different when
0: someone says something on social media. Like they're not standing right in no. front of you. So you can compartmentalise yeah. it. But when they're yeah, and that's it's hard. <sighs> that's not appropriate. And you know, I think even if I saw some politicians, let's say I saw Peter Dutton walking down the street. <laughs> You'd <not> be tempted. <laughs> with, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I would the thought would cross my mind, but I still don't think I could do it. Mm. Um but you know the fact that th- I would you know my re- my first reaction would be oh my god I'm going to scream at him something about asylum seekers.
1: Mm. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> See, so you. It's hard because, it is but hard.
0: I I'd like to think that I wouldn't do that. Um, because well, he's is he a person? Uh, he's, I guess he's you know he looks like a person. <laughs> you don't have to answer that um but yeah i think if you do feel particularly strongly about an issue or maybe you know people their mental Mm. health is suffering or Mm, and then exactly
1: it It is hard and i didn't react very well that time in darling harbour but other times i've been quite proud of myself where i've just just sort of tried to stay calm when inside Mm. you're screaming and just try to say something (laughs) thank you very much for your opinion or you might believe that, but I simply don't. Or well, it's agree to disagree or something. You know, you try to... Mm. I've been given all of these mechanisms to deal with that. But it is it is hard. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I don't mean to be whinging on your podcast. We'll no, no, no. <laughs> I,
0: I I asked, I specifically asked you about that and I wanted mm-hmm. to know. And, and that probably leads into my next question is, what is it like being a woman in federal politics? Because historically it has not been the best place for <laughs> women, <laughs> <No>. especially <laughs> in the last few years. But on, on In all
1: of the major parties well i'm lucky for a number of reasons uh number one i guess you know i'm i'm a pretty much a backbencher i have an assistant shadow minister role which mm. does um give me some responsibilities but i'm certainly not in the leadership role of the party and you know constantly i guess in the media eye like someone like tanya Plibersek or penny pennywong or mm. um, you know some of the The women who are much more noticeable, I guess, than me. So, um, I guess you know, a lot of that angst or that sexism that comes out in politics is often geared towards leader leaders, women Mm -hmm. leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also lucky because I feel incredibly safe as a woman in the Labor Party. Uh, I was when I was elected. I'm not quite sure what it is now. I think since the last election, it might have changed. But I just tipped us into fifty percent women.
0: Yeah, and I know the Labor Party does have the strongest female representation out of Labor, Liberal and the Greens. Yes, Um, yep. So, it probably doesn't surprise me to hear you say that um, because I think they have been making
1: or been shown to be making an effort. Yes, well, we have affirmative action Mm. rules. Uh, in the Labour Party, which I firmly believe in, yeah, uh, a lot of people will argue with me and say, "Oh, you know, that means you overlook merit." Merit, but, you know? Oh my God! I once,
0: I sorry, I when people always <laughs> I, know, I work in the the cor- merit co- argument, <sighs> <sighs> <The> merit <laughs> argument, just get in the bin. I um, know, that's right, you know. And I actually, because I work in corporate, and oh. there, is, there is a lot of conversation about quotas, and you yeah. know, it should be based on merit. And yep. I just, you know, I'm so sick of doing all this emotional labour to educate people about why that's, n- that's not a thing. Mm, it's not
1: a thing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not a sorry. thing. <laughs> yeah. I so remember. I look forward
0: to all the comments after <laughs> I release this podcast <laughs> and I just, you know, I, you want to explain it, just do some Googling, you know.
1: Yes, that's right. Don't yeah. ask me. It,
0: that conversation comes up a lot in corporate um, because there is a lot of affirmative action and there's a lot of data and statistics mm-hmm. that uh, show that quotas and even things like uh, I was working for Telstra a few years ago and they brought in a rule that... of shortlisted CVs had to be women for every role Mm -hmm. that they advertised. And if it wasn't, there had to be a director signing off on why they couldn't find 50% women. So, if they were shortlisting four candidates, they needed two female CVs. Mm -hmm. And that resulted in women getting the jobs. Surprise. The the data shows that if they can get onto the shortlist, they're very likely to get Mm. the job. Mm. And so uh, – also don't have a gender pay gap no. at Telstra so I'm very I was very proud to be working at that company at that time yeah. but yeah there were a lot of people when that rule was brought in going marriage and <laughs> and <laughs> it's just like well there are still men getting on the short list. no one's saying you can't have the mm-hmm. job because you're a man it's just let's do a bit of extra work
1: mm-hmm. to get women on the short list. that's all there's so many stories I could tell you about that you know <laughs> my experiences and but one of my best is um, I did an interview once and they brought this up. It was with Janet Albrickson I was on a panel with you. and um, she really went me about you know affirmative action and she you mm. know, a lot of women on that side of politics don't um, hold with it. And uh, Joan Kerner just happened to be listening to the interview. Wow. And she rang me and she said, well, you stuffed that up, Jed. <laughs> you know, said, oh, really? I know. I said, I didn't do very well, did I? Because you know, I just didn't have the... I don't know. It's a long time ago, and I just didn't have the comeback. I was quite over overcome by the attack, I guess.
0: Yeah, and it's hard when you're having an emotional response to something like that, and you're on the spot. Whether it's, you know, angry, frustrated, mm. um, strongly disagreeing, it's still an emotional response, mm. and then that kind of makes it harder to think of coherent. Yes, <laughs> I'm much better now. You'll be pleased to know. Just go, <laughs> oh my gosh! Shut <laughs> up!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why are you shouting at me? I anyway um joan so joan said listen and i started to talk to her about the whole merit argument well you know how do you push back what do you say she said jed honestly do you think that every man on every board in every political position or every ceo position got there on merit i think not she says to me you know and uh yeah i thought you know what joan you're right and um so then I started to sort of really look at this and look at coherent uh, examples and arguments. and I'm mm. much better at, uh, you know, and I know this isn't the time to do it, but um, I'm much better at I'm that very
0: now. good at that with asylum seeker issues now after okay. all the volunteering and, and all the facts that I've collected. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, Mar- I'm just so over that conversation, I just can't engage and I just, you know, tend to. And <sighs> but then it's that thing. It's like, well, isn't my job to educate people about this Um, because they're probably not going to change their mind or sometimes I do it if I'm in the mood and other times I'm like, just get out of my face. (sighs) Um, So, you mentioned Joan Kerner and Julia Giller. Have you been uh, mentored by women in the Labour Party and coached?
1: Not formally, Hmm. uh, but it happens informally all the time. Yeah. Um, I did, you know, talk to Joan Kerner a lot um, and women that I really admired uh, in the party, like, you know, I had a great deal of time for Nicola Roxham when she was the health minister mm-hmm. and, um, I would take cues and advice and um, so – but since I've been in the party – There's a really lovely attitude to bringing women along and supporting Mm. women. We have a women's committee. That's nice. It is. It's really great. And uh, the women's committee's role is to um, oversee legislation and put a gender lens over legislation. It's to support women in the party. Um, Tanya Plibersek is, you know, she's really a great person at making you do things that you don't necessarily think you can do. Like she's really good at pushing your boundaries and... Mm -hmm. Um say, yep, you get up and do this and you do that, and telling you you can do things, which is great, and finding roles for women and making sure that women are actively involved in uh, in the processes is something that the Labor Party is very, very good at. And It's re- nice to hear. Yeah. I remember, um, and I think I can tell this story, but I remember sitting in one of my caucus. You know what I mean by caucus? Mm-hmm. It's when we all get together and make decisions mm-hmm. about legislation and all sorts of things, and, um, you know, I would never say, reveal what we were talking about because there is a code about that. But what happens in the caucus stays, stays in, the, in caucus. the caucus. But there was one issue and I felt, once again, the responsibility that I had to say something about this mm. issue. We were debating and there was a fierce debate occurring about this particular thing. And um, Penny Wong was in the room and she was sitting across the other side of the room. And uh, I got a text message from her saying, Jed... Is your name on the list to speak? And I texted back said, not yet. She said, get your name on the list. Because she knew that I would be sitting there and going, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, I've got to really contribute to this debate and mm-hmm. it's really heated and mm-hmm. it's only my second time or third time in the caucus and I'm thinking, oh, gosh. And um, I texted back, I said, but Penny, I disagree with you. I'm going to argue against you. She said... I know that. I get this text back. She's like, stand up now. Right. So I stood up. Oh, wow. And the woman, Jenny McAllister, was chairing the meeting and I remember and she looked at me, she's like, Jed, what's wrong? I said, I want to go on the list. She says, Okay. <laughs> Sit down. I'll put you on the list. You, know. right, you can go on the list. <laughs> and then I've thought about that. You know, not many men A would notice that you're sitting there like a sh- you know, a shriveling sort of no. Frightened thing. No. Um, and worry about that. And no. secondly, you know, I'm not sure, and I don't mean to be mean about this, but I'm not sure many men in that situation would argue, would help someone or encourage someone to get up and argue and against them. say the opposite thing. Yeah, yeah. They would
0: probably only encourage you if you were agreeing with them.
1: Yeah. And um, A, Penny n- saw that I needed the encouragement. B, she knew that it was important for me to be on the record for my own, you know, peeps to see that I did the right Mm. thing by them. And see, you know, she just really wanted to help me out. It's an important teaching
0: moment, isn't it? It was
1: really great. I'll never forget it. And um, I just think, you know, that's a really fine example really of um, how I have felt in the Labor Mm. Party. And maybe other women haven't had as good experience as me, Mm. um, but I certainly have had a good experience.
0: And do you have any – I mean, that that was quite an encouraging story and answer – but do you have any words of encouragement for women who, as an example, um, I have a few, uh, a number of friends who are considering moving into politics uh-huh. because they feel so strongly about climate change and the environment, but they're very hesitant to because they're women uh-huh. and these are women who are working in the corporate uh, world and making good money anonymously. And, you know, do you have any words of encouragement for any woman um, who might be considering a move into politics? Um,
1: do it. If you want to do it. So, I think the thing that I've really had to learn is that everything I have to say is important. And a lot of women don't think that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that sounds really basic. But sometimes you sit there and think, oh, somebody else would have discussed that ages ago. Or somebody would have said that a while ago. Or if I say that, you know, is it all, you know. Are people going to think I'm stupid? Are people going to yeah. think I'm stupid for opening my mouth, you know. Um but it's not like that. It's really not like that. So don't feel that if you have something to say, it will be heard, or make it heard. You can make it heard. Um, if you want to go into politics, you've got to be prepared to really say, speak up, and say what you think. And I, I, I don't, you know, and be pushy, like in a way. Be you know, I've gone in there, and I, I think people think I'm a bit pushy, <laughs> but well, I don't think you could be in federal politics and not
0: be assertive. Mm. And be able to, you know, put some opinions out there and stand your ground. Otherwise, you wouldn't get to where you are. So that's right. You know, of course, people are going to say that about you, and I think you quite rightly point out as a woman, people are more
1: likely to call you aggressive or pushy than if you're a man, you would be a leader. So <laughs> and a <laughs> go-getter, You'd be assertive. Um, but by the same token, be prepared to listen. Yeah, you've got to be prepared to listen, and that's really important. And I think having been a nurse I'm pretty good at listening and knowing knowing how to argue within the, another person's frame of other person's frame does that make sense yes. so listening to someone knowing where they're coming from understanding their context and being able to argue within that context is incredibly important. Mm. and Not just kind of shouting, going, you no. must think the same
0: way as me and agree with me. No. Yeah.
1: And sometimes when you come from an issue where you are so heavily invested, so heavily invested that you know, it might be a disappointment, but you've got to mm. be prepared to compromise, you've got to be prepared to wait. Mm. Um, sometimes, and I know people might hate me saying this, but sometimes change is incremental. Sometimes mm. if you can... Afford for it to be, you know, you Mm. have to really know how far you need to push before you say, "Well, that's enough for now. I'll I'll live again another day." And that's a really hard lesson for me. I've found that a hard lesson to learn. Yeah, but you've got to be prepared for that. So if you want to go into politics because of a conviction, because of something you feel really, really heavily about, then be prepared Mm. for it not to be easy. You know, just being there doesn't mean you're going to change the world got to do the hard work you've got to listen you've got to negotiate you've got to compromise you've got to talk to people that you may not particularly like or want Mm. to talk to Mm. um, and you've really got to do the hard yards like i'll never forget after the last conference you know there were lots of issues being pushed there you know the nuclear treaty ban climate you know um, salmon seekers that was a really meaty conference that Mm. we were trying to push the boundaries on so many things.
0: And there are so many issues as well. And like you were saying before, I mean, I'm very passionate about asylum seekers, but other people are very passionate about the environment, and uh, which I'm also passionate about. But Or, you know, everybody's c- – there's so many – Workers' yes. rights. Homelessness. Um, yeah. There's so many things out there that people are advocating for. And I guess, you know, I- is one issue more important than the other? Because a so few p- people think in their mind their issue is the most important one. But there's just so many problems there's that need so solving.
1: Many. There's so many. I mean – the issue of aid was a big thing you know, how much we spend on, will on aid. That was a massive issue at the last mm. Labor Party policy conference. So, be prepared for your huge issue, as you say, to be in a mix yep. of big things. If you're, yep. And um, th- there's, there's lots of things that I learned. I mean, I was lucky because I came from the ACTU, which was you know, workers' rights, yes, but there was hu- there were lots of social justice issues in the yes. union movement and I was quite prepared to know that my particular issue would just be one of many. Um, but you know, don't be don't be don't be backwards in comings forwards. Find out a pathway that's best for you in politics, and there's lots mm. of pathways. Lots. Mm. Talk to lots of people, get lots of support, um, and yeah, absolutely go for it. One thing I ask all the guests who come on
0: Casa de Cambio is, what is the best piece of career advice you've ever received? Ah, <laughs> that's really hard. or just. You know, a really good piece of advice that stands out. It sounds like you've got some really good stuff from some very amazing
1: people over the years. Uh, A good bit of career advice. Um, I think probably talking to Julia Gillard, that whole advice around compartmentalising Mm. and being able to in some way turn it off.
0: And as a nurse, you're already good at that.
1: I am good yes. at that. <laughs> However, I must say that year in the lead up to the ALP conference, you know, when so many of us were working so hard on asylum seeker policy, mm. um, that was very, very hard. And, uh, you know, to come home and just... Switch all of that off. Yeah, that was hard. So, I have to get better at that. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it yet. Mm. Um but I can do it, and that's if if you're really throwing everything at in your career, you've got to be able to compartmentalize and keep time for good things. Nice. Well, not the career can't be good, but
0: for different things, I guess. That's yeah. great advice. Um, and what are you currently watching on TV, reading, or listening to? Ah, I just started watching
1: um, on SBS View or what SBS on Demand? SBS on Demand. It's iView. It's ABC iView. SBS <laughs> <laughs> on Demand is uh, the Young Pope. Oh, yeah. As in the po- our current Pope? No, it's just called the Young Pope. Oh, it's fictional. Um, and I'm really enjoying that. Um. I'm reading, um, uh, her first name's escaped me, but Lukashenko's um, Too Much Lip, which is about a young Aboriginal woman going back to her community because her grandfather is dying. That's Oh, fantastic. Amazing. I can highly recommend it. It's mm-hmm. beautifully written. And because I'm going to meet him in Parliament House next Tuesday, I've just picked up Bruce Pascoe's Dark Emu. Oh. Because I want to read it so that I can have a... Intelligent yep. conversation yep. with him um, when I'm going to meet him, so uh, yeah, interesting mix of things at the moment. Oh, fantastic. yeah um,
0: Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast with me today. It's been an absolute delight, and I'd also like to thank you for all the work that you've done pushing for that change in asylum seeker policy. It sounds like you really are a force to be reckoned with <laughs> <I don't know>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe a pain in the neck.
0: <laughs> well, are they the same uh, you maybe. know <laughs> Squeaky wheel gets the grease.
1: (laughs) I try not to annoy too many people. You know, there's uh, a fine line between agitating and just, yeah, yeah,
0: pushing, pissing people off and rubbing them up the wrong way, definitely. (laughs) Um, But, no, thank you for all of that work that you've done. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the people of Cooper really appreciate it and
1: um, i Wish you all the best with your political career. Thank you so much. And can I say the same to you, Natasha? You sound like a wonder woman with all you're doing at the moment. So it's been a great pleasure to chat and to meet you. So good luck with everything. Thank you so
0: much. My pleasure. Bye.